All right, we're in week two of Won't You Be My Neighbor. Who was here last week for part one? Week one, okay, you got to see uh, Mr. Rogers was actually here. It was incredible. Uh, He was reincarnate uh, through this guy, unfortunately. I'm not nearly as good as Fred Rogers, but man, it was a lot of fun. Got to do the whole song and everything. Okay, I'm not gonna do it every week. I thought about it and I was like, no, that's weird. Anyway, so... uh, just not gonna do it. You know, it's a one-time thing. If you were here, you got to see it. If not, then unfortunately for you, you missed it. So um, I did like a rap a couple weeks ago too. So I'm like doing raps and I'm doing like Mr. Rogers. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna take a break on the weird stuff. I'm just gonna preach for a little bit. Is that cool, y'all? Okay, all right. Um, but we're gonna have a party at my place. That is the title of the message today if you do take notes. And the first question I wanna ask you is, what is the best party that you have ever been to? Don't answer that because I know it was probably crazy. I know it was, don't lie, all right? What's the best party that you've ever been to? There's all kinds of great parties that we go to in our lives. Usually they start, uh, you know, as a kid, but you start going to maybe some middle school, high school, you know, and college parties, those high school and college parties. I mean, sometimes they get cray cray. Okay, they get kind of crazy. You know what I'm talking about? People that have been radically saved by the power of Jesus, all right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. They're full of drama, full of things that shouldn't be there, right? All about vying for popularity. Who's the cool one? Who's in the in crowd? Who's awkwardly by themselves? Who's breaking up with who? Who's getting together that night, right? You know what I mean? That's what it's all about. But then you grow up and you have kids and you go to these other kinds of birthday parties called kids' birthday parties. And sometimes they're fun, but more often than not, they're just awkward, right? I mean, they're just weird. I mean, like the kid, little kids, they go off and have some fun and all the parents are just like standing there watching their kids have a great time. And they can be really fun sometimes. We actually had a birthday party for Oakland. It was really more of a family gathering plus his best friend, Harley, okay? Because he wanted to make sure that Harley was there. And so we invited the Diaz family to come over kind of last minute. We're like, hey, why don't you guys come over? Oakland really wants Harley to be there. And then he ended up having a ton of fun. We played baseball. So one of the presents we got him for his third birthday was we got him bases because me and him play baseball together. He's got the tee and actually I can, I can throw it to him and he can hit it pretty good, which fairly proud of, you know what I mean? He was like two and a half hitting the ball without a tee, you know what I'm saying? Okay, uh, I posted a story yesterday about it. I said, train up your child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will pay for your home with their MLB contract. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that's good parenting right there. No, it's not, <laughs> okay. So anyway, uh, we got him some bases because when he hits, I, I would teach him to, drop the bat and run, but he didn't know where to run. And he would just kind of run all around. And I was like, nah, this is not gonna work because when he gets older, he starts playing with T-ball. He's just gonna take off towards second base, run out in the outfield and just looking like a fool, you know? And so uh, got him some bases and we had enough kids there where he could actually play. And so I was kind of teaching all of them how to do this and somebody would hit and then we'd all run to first and run to second, run to third. Anyway, it was honestly a lot of fun, but sometimes they can be a little awkward, but, but here's the deal. There are some parties in between those parties that you have in your life that are my favorite parties, okay? And if you know me, you already know where I'm going with this. When you're in high school and college, you have those parties, you kind of go to all those, and then you get older, you have kids, you go to those parties, but in between, there's a section of about five to 10 years. Really, it's mainly about five years in your mid-20s 
where all of your friends get married all at the same time. And you go to so, so many weddings. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's that period of five years and you're just like every weekend is another wedding, all right? And if you're like one of the popular kids, you're in all of the weddings and then you're having to pay for the tuxes and you're having to pay for the dresses, whatever it might be. You're having to like get gifts and you're having to go set up and tear down all this stuff. It's like a mobile church every single weekend, but for weddings, right? You know, it is crazy. But I love them. It's so much fun. You get to dress up and you get to look really nice just to look ridiculous doing the cha-cha slide and the cotton eye Joe. They got the suit on this tux. Like, why are we dancing like this? We look terrible right now. You got this action. Hold on, I got to come around here. You're doing this kind of stuff. You know, you got the sprinkler. You know what I mean? Who can't dance in the house? You can't dance. That's like your go-to right there. Okay. Hey, you know what? Why don't we give it up? Josh, Josh and Jessica Brainer just got married. I did their wedding the other day. I did their wedding the other day and, and they, we had a venue for a really short amount of time. We didn't have enough time to like really get our dance on, you know, but they know me well enough to know that if we did have enough time, I would have been throwing it down just with everybody else. You know what I'm saying? It would have been a lot of fun. So, uh, but Jesus loved to party too. Did you know that? I don't know if a lot of people really know that Jesus loved to get together with friends. He loved to get together with family. And there's countless times in scripture where you'll find him eating, drinking, hanging out with people, right? In Jewish culture, it was very, very important to have parties. It was a big deal. Not only was it just a part of their culture, it was actually a part of the law to have, uh, uh, to have these parties, these celebrations, these feasts, and, and there were many of them. Let me tell you, it wasn't just like a once a year kind of a thing. You know, we have Christmas, we have Easter, we have some different, you know, Halloween, whatever, we have all these different things. They would have week-long feasts and celebrations, massive things, where they would party all week. And it was like, you gotta imagine, it would have been so, so much fun to get together with your closest friends and family, celebrate all that God has done, and just have a grand old time. Come on now, that'd be great. Um, but Jewish culture was full of that, so they knew how to party well. And isn't it fitting that the first recorded miracle of Jesus then was at a party, specifically a wedding. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna go to John chapter two. If you got your Bible, say, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. hey. most of y'all, you lying because you just got your phone. I know what you, I know you say, hey, hey. You're like, I don't have my Bible, okay. It's all right, just get your phone out. That's what I do too. John two, one through two, we're gonna start there. We're gonna walk through this passage and we're gonna see what happens at this wedding at Cana. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. Stop, Jesus is headed to a wedding. Very exciting, okay? He's got his crew, they're all dressing up. You gotta imagine Jesus looking good, okay? He, he, he flipped out the sandals for nicer sandals, right? You know, like he just has a little bit of a better get up on. I don't know what he would have wore to a wedding, okay? I'm not an expert in Jewish culture. Uh, but his mama was there, all right? So that's the first thing we know. His mama was there. Jesus is there with his best friends. And so he couldn't get too turnt, you know what I'm saying? Like he had to dial it back just a little bit, but he's still gonna have a lot of fun. Okay, either way, it'll be a great time. I actually went to a wedding with my mom the other day. She was planning the wedding. It was, it was a lot of fun. We had a good time, right? We drank some big red, you know, we sat in the back and we had a grand old time, wasn't it? It was phenomenal, okay. Uh, so verse three, when the wine ran out, uh-oh, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. So the wine runs out at this wedding and that is a big problem. That's a big no-no. 
what kind of wedding runs out of wine, all right? That is not a cool wedding. If you go to a wedding and you ain't got no wine anymore, everybody's like, hey, what's going on here? Like, what, what, we don't get the champagne to pop. Like, you know, they don't have the alcohol or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm talking about, pre-Jesus kind of weddings, you know what I'm talking about? You went crazy, okay? You're like, what kind of wedding is this, yo? We ain't got no alcohol, we ain't got no wine. What is going on? That's whack, dude, all right? And so this is not a good thing at a wedding. But here's the problem. Remember how I talked to you about how these celebrations and these feasts were really long? Weddings in this time were not just one evening. You know, in a normal wedding, you would go for maybe four or five hours, okay? You do the ceremony, you pray that it's quick, all right? Uh, and then you go and then you have to wait while they take photos for God knows how long, okay? And then finally, they're like, all right, we come back in. Now we can eat because everybody's here and it takes like an hour. You're just sitting around awkwardly trying to figure out what to do. You finally get to eat and then you get to the dancing. You have some fun. You know, do like kind of the traditional thing, cut the cake, all that stuff, whatever, first dance. And then you leave and that's it. But weddings in this day and age were also seven days long. It was a massive celebration. And unlike our culture, where the bride's family would traditionally pay for everything, uh, the groom's family would actually take care of everything in this, in this time. So if the wine ran out at this week-long feast, it would have been a massive disgrace to the groom's family. So Mary, mother of Jesus, knowing what her son is capable of, all right, knowing that her son is Jesus, the son of God, she gives him a little motherly nudge to try to help the situation and spare the family of this imminent disgrace. Now, she says this phrase right here, they have no wine. I gotta think, this is like a straight mom move right here. This is a classic mom. You ever been in this situation before where your mom just looks at you when you have some guests over? Maybe you were a high school student. Even today, honestly, we have some people over the house. This would be something my mom would do with me. She would look at me and say, our guests have nothing to drink. Notice she doesn't even ask, right? She just states a fact, and then you're just supposed to know what that means. Like, oh, I'm supposed to go get a drink. This is exactly what Mary does right here. They have no wine. Mary doesn't even have to ask him. She just gives him the eyes, you know what I mean? Gives him the eyes and says, Jesus, mm-hmm, come on now. Yeah, and he's like, mom, stop, you know? But Jesus' response is great. I, I love this. He says, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, if I ever said that to my mama, I'd be slapped up side the face so fast you have no idea. Boy, who are you calling woman? Get your butt over here and get some drinks for our guests. Who are you calling woman up in this place? Really, it was a respectful term, okay? But it's a lot funnier when you read it that way. Anyway, that's basically what happens though, okay? Is that she, she doesn't even respond to Jesus. He says this right here. My, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. She doesn't even say anything to Jesus. She just turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. And I feel like she just like walked off, just drops the mic and walks off. That's actually the last recorded words that we have of Mary, right? She just says, do whatever he tells you. Boom, walks off like, Jesus, you're gonna take care of it, all right, you know? And that's basically all she does. Uh, and you gotta imagine Jesus is standing there. He's like, but, my, but mom, mom, okay, you know what? fine. I got to honor my mother and father or else I'm disobeying the law. All right. So I got to honor her in this moment. She's asked me to do this. Father, I hope that's okay. I'm going to go ahead and get this done. And now we're going to get to the bulk of the passage. If you want to go back uh, to your scripture, it'll be on the screen here. John 2, 7 through 11. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water and they fill them up to the brim. 
And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. We'll talk about who that is in just a moment. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and all the disciples believed in him. Wow, what a really cool miracle for Jesus to start off with, right? At a party, at a wedding. When Lindsay and I got married, we didn't have a traditional wedding planner, okay? We didn't have somebody that came and did all that stuff. We had Shanna Ashley and Karen Sturgeon, okay? We had our mamas to plan everything, all right? Uh, They took care of everything, made sure our day went absolutely great for us. But many people will hire a wedding planner. And this is somebody that will handle absolutely everything. They can handle different things based on what you want them to do, but usually they'll handle what? The schedule of events. Uh, They're the primary contact for the food, photography, videography, any vendors you might have, the flowers, the venue, all of that stuff. They handle everything. They take care of it all. But the idea of a wedding planner is actually not a new concept. They had wedding planners for thousands of years. This has been a profession for people, but also some people like my mom and like Karen, they just take care of things and they're just a part of the family. So this seven day celebration was a huge event for these families, of course, it was a massive thing. So much so they would hire what's called a governor or a master of the feast. This could have been a family member like we had, all right? Or it could be a traditional wedding planner, somebody who basically specializes in these week-long feasts. Um, And because of the length of the celebration and all of the very specific traditions that are involved, if you've ever been to a Jewish wedding, you know even today, there are many, many traditions and things that are very important that you have to do it in a very specific way. And if you don't do it the right way, it's, it's not a good thing, okay? So there's a lot of traditions Uh, It required a lot of planning because of that. And one of the key elements, of course, would be food and wine for all of the guests. They obviously didn't have enough wine for everybody that was there. So Jesus steps in and he says, hey, I'm about to keep this party rolling, all right? We ain't stopping this thing. I am going to make sure that this party does not stop at all. But here's the interesting part. Not only did Jesus turn the water into wine, incredible miracle, first off, right? But the master of the feast then, who doesn't know where all this came from, pulls the groom and his family over to the side, not knowing where it came from and says, this wine is even better than the stuff that we were just drinking. This is the best stuff that we've had. I can't believe how amazing that this wine is. This is amazing. You really did save the best for last. And many people would argue that the reason this family ran out of wine is because they were poor. That would be kind of a logical thing to think. It's it's one option. Maybe that's true and maybe it's not. But to be honest, I would like to think that the reason they ran out of wine is is because they just had a lot of friends, y'all. They had a lot of people that loved them. They had a lot of people that wanted to be there. And I would like to think the reason they ran out of wine is because last minute they heard that Jesus was in town and they decided to invite him and his 12 disciples Maybe it was their fault that they ran out of wine, but you know what? Jesus said, hey, you know what? I'll take care of it myself. Jesus and his whole crew joins in and Jesus's first miracle is at this wedding. And so today what I wanna talk to you about, really party at my place. It's all about hospitality. 
How can you have great hospitality to the neighbors around you, to your coworkers, to your friends, and to your family? What does true hospitality look like? All throughout the Bible, hospitality is extremely, extremely important, especially in Jewish culture. And you would have seen uh, multiple times where Jesus sent off his disciples with absolutely nothing. He sends them out and says, hey, I need you to go and I need you to go preach. I need you to go heal people and and do everything you need to to spread this this news about what's going on. The kingdom of God is here. I'm gonna send you out and and, and tell them everything that I've taught you. He would send them with nothing and say, hey, just go into any house that will take you. Go in any house that will take you. And people would bring these disciples in and, and, and when a stranger would come off the road, it was actually commanded in the Bible, if a stranger comes up that you were to take them in and give them any of the provisions that they might need. That's why the story of the Good Samaritan that we talked about last week was so important because not only were they not helping a guy that was in need, but it was actually commanded to give good hospitality even to strangers, to people that you had never met before. So I'm gonna give you some practical things that you and I can, can live out in our lives that deals with hospitality. And the first one is, is that there is a great cost in great hospitality. There is a great cost in great hospitality. When you have a party at your place, let's say, you say, hey, everybody, come on over. We're gonna have a great time. You know, you're gonna have to pay for what? Food. You're gonna have to, there's a cost of your time because they're gonna be over for hours. Sometimes they won't leave, right? You say, you know, go ahead and get out now. It's been like, it's midnight, okay? I got kids, I gotta go to bed, all right? But there is a cost of time. You could have been doing anything else, but you decided to have them come over. But then you're also sacrificing comfort. And there's a cost of comfort as well because uh, we talked about even this morning, it's so much easier to not have people over, right? It's so much easier just to stay with you and your wife or so much easier to stay with, with you and your wife, your kids and to not have a bunch of people over, to not have to prepare anything, to not have to do all of this. But there is a great cost in great hospitality. I'm sure that you've probably been to a party that was poorly planned before, right? Anybody been to a bad party? I mean, we've been to good parties, but you've been to a bad one before? It's like, oh my Lord, you didn't feel very welcome. Maybe because, you know, the, the food was just like, like Little Caesars pizza or something like that, which I know Rachel back there, she loves her Little Caesars pizza. I get onto her all the time about it. She's like, Little Caesars is good. And I'm like, you are the minority in this, all right? I promise. <laughs> you can get a pizza for five bucks. I mean, it's probably not that great, but she loves it. It's all good. She's our youth director. So that's why she loves Little Caesar. She's probably had it too much, right? You know? Oh, Lord help her. Uh, but you come to a party like that, right? You come to a party, maybe they don't have any decorations or anything. And it's just like the house is dirty or something. And you're like, man, they, they didn't really put a lot of thought into this, right? It's not necessarily that you have to, when you invite somebody over, have these superficial things that you have to do, right? It's not necessarily about that. Really, what it is, is is somebody put thought into you being there, right? That's what you wanna see is like, hey, when you invited me over and when we're having a party, did you put thought into me being your guest, right? There's a great cost and great hospitality. You can definitely tell when somebody has or hasn't put thought into you being their guest. And for example, I'm talking a lot about my mom today. You know, she's, she's great at hospitality. She's a great host. Uh, how many women were at the women's gathering that we had this Wednesday? Okay, cool, cool, cool. We had a few here. We had about 20 women that were there at our first ever women's gathering. And we got, and it was, it was awesome, to be honest. I was there. 
uh, me and John Picasso were there. We decided to come and to serve the ladies because that's what you do, right? You know, we had to have the men serving. I wasn't gonna let the women get their own food. I said, give me them plastic tongs from Olive Garden and I will serve up this food the best way I can. It was like falling off the lasagna. I, it was horrible. Anyway, so I got the Olive Garden food. Uh, my dad brought it. And I'm telling you, this is some good stuff. We had like uh, chicken Alfredo. We had lasagna. We had the breadsticks. Praise Jesus. Come on. Now that's some good stuff especially when they put them in those bags. You know, they get like, oh, it's so good. Oh, Lord, help me. I'm hungry now. It's time for lunch. All right. Uh, but we had that. We had some pies from the Texas Pie Company. Uh, what else we have? Even Olive Garden gave us the mints. They had like 30 or 40 mints. Those things are good, right? But we had a nice spread. My mom had the decorations. She had little cards. We played some games. She printed out some stuff. and It just looked beautiful. The food was great. It was a ton of fun. And how many of you know that there was a great cost and having that great hospitality, right? There was a great cost in that. And once again, I talked about this a little bit earlier with the fall festival, but you know, some people in church sometimes would get frustrated with that. Like, why are we spending money on Olive Garden, right? Why are we spending money as decorations? Why couldn't you have just had a potluck and not had any tablecloths and you know, they could just eat on the, on the table, ain't no big deal. We don't need these like centerpieces and you don't need the breadsticks. And you know, we definitely don't need the dessert. We don't need any of that stuff. And why do we gotta play games? You know, why you gotta do all this stuff and pay money for all that? Why, why you gotta do that? Listen, because great hospitality is important. It is important. It's not just a, a cultural concept. It is actually a biblical concept. It is important to show people that you care about them, right? It's important to show people, hey, we've put thought into you being here. We wanna have a blast with you. We wanna have a great time with you being here today. And so, yeah, we'll put some money into that because we believe that that kind of stuff is important. The fall festival, we have all kinds of things that we're doing, right? A lot of fun stuff that's gonna be there for the kids. And like I said before, it is important, but hospitality usually will cost you something. And I wanna propose this question to you today. What if every home and every party that we threw ran out of wine because of great hospitality? What if every party that you threw ran out because you were inviting so many people in your neighborhood, because you made so many friends, because you were such a good friend to people and your neighbors and to your coworkers and to the family that you have and the people at Radical Church. Man, what if we just threw the biggest and the best party, so much so like fall festival, we have so many people we're thinking about to come, we're gonna have to go get some extra candy. You're gonna have to go get some extra food. You're gonna have to go get some extra drinks because there's so many people doing life together in community, just having a blast together. What if? Every home ran out of wine and food and all this stuff because of great hospitality. I think that would be a beautiful, beautiful thing. You think so? The second point I have for you today is let Jesus transform your home from empty to full. Let him transform your home from empty to full. The six stone vessels that Jesus used in this miracle it, you don't really know if, if you don't know, so I'll kind of explain this to you a little bit, but these stone vessels were large 20 to 30 gallon vessels. They were water jars for the Jews to cleanse themselves if they had been defiled, okay? So for example, in their culture, let's say you had gone, in our example last week of the Good Samaritan, if that priest or if that Levite would have gone and, and touched the guy that was bloody or if you, maybe you touched a dead body or something like that, you would have been considered ceremonially unclean. 
Then you'd have to go through all these rituals. And part of that would be to cleanse yourself with one of these big, massive jars of water. And that was the water that they would have used to cleanse themselves and go through this whole process. So isn't it amazing that Jesus uses these ordinary jars, these things that were used for this ritual cleansing process, not anything really special at all. Nobody would have thought anything about those jars. But Jesus uses the ordinary for the extraordinary. Isn't that amazing? Jesus uses these jars that most people would have just thought, this is just like a bath water. Like this isn't anything important at all, right? This is, this is how we cleanse ourselves and do these rituals. This isn't anything interesting. And yet Jesus takes the least interesting thing and makes it the most interesting thing at the party. What's the key to that though? Is that they were available. Those jars were made available to Jesus to be used for the extraordinary. And I wanna propose this to you today, for God to use you and your home, you have to make it available. You have to make your home available for God to use. If you wanna see amazing things happen in community and in your home and in your life. This miracle that Jesus does doesn't happen if those six jars were not made available to him. So the question is, are you making your home available for people? Are you inviting people into your home? I know it's difficult right now and we could come up with a lot of excuses for why we can't host a gathering, why we can't do this, that, or the other. And I understand some of them, right? I know that we have just come out of, and we're still even in, in a, in a, in a sense, the biggest pandemic and the biggest you know, thing that we've ever lived through by far. One of the hardest times that we've ever lived through, COVID, right? And there's so many people that are still struggling and I completely understand that. And it's, it's a difficult thing because we're coming out of it now in a sense, and yet we're still in it. And, and so many people for the longest time, for the last year and a half, being a good neighbor meant staying away, right? That's kind of what the culture ended up being for the last year and a half is for me to be a good neighbor to you means I actually have to kind of stay away from you right now, which is such a backwards idea for all of us, right? Because God created us to be what? In community with one another. He created us to be with one another, not to be apart. And so that's why I think mental health crises have gone up so, so much because people have isolated themselves so much so to where now that they're dealing with anxiety and depression and, and the suicide rate has skyrocketed. Why? Because I think people are separated for entirely too long. We were not meant to be apart. And while I understand it, it's a very difficult thing because we have to eventually flip that back and say, you know what, we've gotten comfortable in this, right? It's so much easier, like I said, you know, to just, just not, right? I mean, for the last year and a half, we haven't had people over to the house and, you know, we've been fine. The last year and a half, we haven't gone out to lunch and hung out with somebody. So I think we'll be fine, right? And, and it's just a lot easier. You kind of get in that rut, right? Maybe you're not coming to church or, or you're, you're not hanging out with people and then at some point we have to start to make the flip and say, man, you know what? I, I'm made for community, right? This is how God created me to be. And at whatever level you can, take those baby steps, right? Back into community. I know there's a lot of people that were honestly, to, to be very honest with you, very afraid and worried about COVID. And it was a really big deal and affected them affected their family. And I know people that are sitting here in the room right now, I'm thinking of two people in particular that are here in this room that have just started to come back to church after not being here for a very long time because of complications with COVID and because of family members that have been dealing with COVID and all that stuff. And to be honest, I applaud them for being here today because I know that took a lot of faith 
And I know that's a difficult thing for them to do because man, there is some legit worry and some legit fear that was there because of the things that were surrounding them. But they had to make that mental decision to say, you know what? I am meant for community and I'm meant to be at church and I'm, I want to hear what God has for me. I want to worship together in this community of people who love Jesus. And they made the decision to come back. And man, that's a huge decision. I'm so proud of the people that I know that are here today that have done that. But let Jesus transform your home from empty to full. We could come up with so many excuses. It's not just COVID, right? I mean, our home is too small. It's too dirty. We got to clean. Oh my goodness, Lord, our kids are going crazy all over the place. We got kids to deal with. They have kids. We're not used to having people over. What will we eat? I can't cook. All these kinds of things. But if you will make your home available to God, I promise you he will fill it with joy and he will fill it with relationships and with people that are gonna take you into the next season of your life. You're gonna be able to walk through life with them. Iron sharpens iron, right? And if you'll make your home available, God will use it for good. I know that there was a few people in my life. Uh, I, I hope they're watching today. Actually, Alec, our drummer, it's his mom and dad. I lived with them in San Antonio when I first started uh, in ministry. I lived with them for almost two years, okay? in their house in San Antonio while I was working at the church that we were all going to at the time. And it was so much fun. They always had great hospitality and their house, to be honest, is the house that all the parties are at, okay? Like if there is a party to be had in that friend group, it's usually gonna be Alec is saying, hey, what's up? Yeah, it's usually gonna be had at their house. And they were so great at bringing people in. I found out that I wasn't the first person that they had brought into their home while their kids were still in high school. They were bringing in other kids that were in high school and in college that needed a place to stay. They had opened up their home for people, uh, opened up their home for students to come in so that they could minister to them, so that they could love them and have them be a part of their family. I loved my time with the Hernandez family. And if you're watching, I love you guys. Y'all are the best. And then there's another family that I wanna highlight today. I hope they're here today. I don't know if I see them or not. Darn, I don't know if they're here. But it's the Parsons family, okay? Uh, uh, Jake and Erica Parsons, they just had um, another baby. And so they have three kids. And after the message on Sunday, I love this because I talked about in, you know, inviting people over to the house, have people over, go across the street, reach out to somebody. Immediately after that message, I got down from the stage and they come over to me and they said, hey, we want you guys to come over tonight for dinner. And Lindsay said, all right, it sounds good. They said, we got pasta that has a pepperoni sauce. And I said, done, I'll be there, right? <laughs> Food will get people over. I talked about it last week, right? And so uh, we said, absolutely, let's do it. We had a great time. Oakland was having so much fun. You know, I had some kids that are about the same age and it was just a blast. And, but they opened up their home and they've told me stories. And, and there was a little girl that was there with us actually. And they said, yeah, this girl, she lives right next door. And she actually comes over for dinner almost every single night. She's here every single day. She lives right next door. And then uh, me and Jake were playing on the basketball goal that was next door. And I was like, well, whose basketball goal is this? And he was like, oh, it's not ours. It's the next door neighbors. We all play on it all the time. The whole cul-de-sac plays on it. And they were telling me, and I've seen stories on Instagram of them all getting together with their entire cul-de-sac, all their kids, all the parents sitting out on the front in the lawn chairs, all their kids are just playing in the cul-de-sac. And I was like, man, I love this. This is not just a representation of community, but this should be exactly what the church of Jesus is like, right? We're all just sitting out on the front porch, hanging out, having a good time with people in our neighborhoods. They made their home available to people and God has been doing some great things. And so the next thing I have for you is every party is better when Jesus shows up. 
Every party is better when Jesus shows up because what corporate office Christmas party has ever been better than the parties that you have with your crazy college friends? Never has that happened, okay? Maybe you have a cool office company culture or whatever like that, that might be dope, all right? But listen, I'm telling you, you get together with your best friends, you get together with the people, uh, they're just a ragtag group of guys from college or from high school, whatever, man, it is just an absolute blast, all right? Um, and this is kind of what Jesus did. I think Jesus hung out at parties and with people that were more like his best friends and guys that he was just hanging out with, having a good time. Then he went to the stuffy religious, you know, uh, Jewish parties, right? That's not the kind of party that you usually see Jesus at. You see Jesus with who? The tax collectors, with the sinners, with the people who maybe weren't as holy as him, right? And yet these are the people that Jesus chose to hang out with. And he was ridiculed by the religious leaders for this. But here's the deal. Hospitality in this time was not just getting food for somebody. It wasn't just going out to eat. It was much more than that. Hospitality in Jesus's day means that you're bringing somebody into the community. You're bringing them into the fold and you are actually accepting them, right? Into your family. And this is something that the Pharisees would have completely understood and it made them hate Jesus even more. And so what I wanna challenge you with here today is to be the Jesus in your friend group. Be the Jesus in your friend group, right? What does that look like? That we're not the judgmental and rude Christians, okay, that are only gonna hang out with the other Christians. We're gonna have our stuffy parties and stuff like that. You know what? We're gonna get out into the world and we're gonna meet people where they're at. We're gonna go out into the gym. We're gonna go out to the grocery store. We're gonna go hang out at their place where they hang out and we're gonna see what Jesus will do with those relationships. Be the Jesus in your friend group. Show love to them and call out the gold that is within them that we know that Jesus sees. Why? Because you might be the only Jesus that someone ever sees. I'm gonna say that again. You might be the only Jesus that someone ever sees. That is a, that's a very important thing to understand. I think when you get that within your soul and you realize, man, I, I might be the only Christian friend that this person has. So what kind of influence am I having on them? Am I the Jesus that's coming to this group of tax collectors and sinners? Am I the one that's, that's lifting them up and calling them to a higher level of understanding, calling them into a deeper level of community and connection? Or am I the Pharisee that's outside judging the Jesus that's in there doing it? Who are you in that story? You might be the only Jesus that someone ever sees. Everybody, would you stand up with me today? I have one more point, but you know what? For the sake of time, I'll save it for another time. Say it. Ah, it's all right. <laughs> all right, you convinced me. Okay, assimilation. <laughs> I'm gonna say it real fast. There's, I added it last night and I, I saw this somewhere. I can't remember where I saw it, but I just thought it was such a cool point. Assimilation versus accommodation. What's the difference? Assimilation, if we invited over a vegetarian to our house, and we eat meat. Assimilation is we would serve meat and you have to eat it. Because that's, if you wanna be a part of us and our culture and how we live, then you have to change to be like us. It puts the burden on the outsider to change and become like you. But accommodation is different because accommodation puts the burden on me to change, right? 
Accommodation says, you know what, you're a vegetarian, you're coming over to a house, I don't know how to make anything vegetarian, but you know, I'm gonna look up a new recipe and I'm gonna figure it out and I'm gonna make a vegetarian recipe and we're all gonna eat it and it's gonna be great because I wanna accommodate you that's coming into my house. I wanna be hospitable to you. I don't wanna make you change for me. I'll change for you, don't worry about it. And hospitality is not just about room and board. It's not just about food. It's not just about these things. It goes so much deeper than that. It's about love and sacrifice and inconveniencing yourself for somebody else. And this is what Jesus did at the core of who he was, right? He sacrificed his life. He sacrificed his convenience, his comfort, his time, everything. Jesus sacrificed it all for you and for me. So the least we could do is be a good neighbor, show good hospitality to somebody else, sacrifice and accommodate people within the church, within your own home. Within the church, what does that look like? People with different viewpoints. I understand I wanna preach the gospel. I'm gonna preach the word of God. I'm not ever gonna waver on that, okay? But there are gonna be people that will think differently. There are people, as a matter of fact, that think differently than me and about you, I promise, on politics, Lord help us, on things in the Bible, on theology, okay? There's people that think different things. You know, we can accommodate that. I'm gonna preach the truth, right? But at the end of the day, everyone belongs. Everyone can have a seat at the table. We're all gonna come back to Jesus. We'll never waver on that. You know what? There's room for questions. There's room for doubts. There's room for insecurities. There's room for conversations, okay? But that's accommodation. Assimilation is saying, no, you have to change. You be like us. And that's not the heart of Christ, right? That was a good last point, wasn't it? Man, you're welcome. All right, y'all. Let's be good neighbors this week. Can we please? Can you invite somebody over to the house this week? Can we do that? I need to be better about this. Even too, me and Lindsay, I know we need to invite some of y'all over to the house. And like last week, you know, y'all invite us over. If we can come, we will. If we can't, we'll let you know. We'll find another time, I promise. We will. We'll get it together. But invite somebody. Go across the aisle, go across the street, see somebody that you don't know and say, you wanna come to church or you wanna come to lunch with us after church today, right now, you wanna come? Why not? You know, let's do it. You wanna come to dinner tonight? Let's do it, let's make it happen. And I believe that God is gonna unite us even closer together as the church and as family and as community, as we're being good neighbors to each other and good neighbors to those around us. Come on, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you just have a heart for hospitality. I think you have a heart for, for having good parties, for having people over and, and sharing a meal with people. There's just something so powerful about that. We know that in the word it says, when we get to heaven, there's gonna be a massive party and a feast. We're all gonna get to eat together. We're all gonna hang out together and worship you. And so God, I pray that you would help us to be great neighbors. Help each and every one of these people today. Maybe they've gotten in a rut in this last year and a half because of COVID or because of different reasons, different excuses that maybe we have for why we can't hang out with people, why we can't be hospitable to people, why we can't do this, that. Lord, help us to remind us that we are made for each other. We're made for community. We're made to do life together and convict our hearts if that's where we've been. And Lord, I pray that you would fill our homes with joy Fill our homes with people that need you, God. Fill our homes with sinners. 
Fill our homes with people that don't look anything like you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us by the power of your spirit to show them what true love looks like and that they would find you and repent of their sin and turn to you, God. But it's not even about that really. The first thing has to be, are we being hospitable? Are we being a true friend? And they'll see you through that. So thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. I, I just praise you, we glorify you, we honor you. And all God's people today said, Amen, amen. Hey, thank you so much for coming to church today. You glad you came? Come on now. Sign up for Fall Festival. Make sure to go on Facebook on that event. Share it with a friend. And if you have your offering, you can give it at the back. Fill out your Connect card, please. You get a free T-shirt at the back too. And put that Connect card in there before you leave. God bless you. We love you so much. See ya.